When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. NHL free agency is Monday. The Edmonton Oilers trying to fill a few holes on the roster, the biggest one in net. We will talk about that. Also, we'll see what forwards they might be sniffing, sniffing around. And the Edmonton Eskimos taking a 2-0 record into Winnipeg tomorrow. We have the game for you right here on 6.30. Ched, the countdown to kickoff will start at 5 o'clock. The game will commence at 6.30. The Bombers picked by a lot of people, including me, before the season to win the Grey Cup. The Edmonton Eskimos have surprised some people by getting out to a 2-0 start. Hey, here's how it goes for the Eskimos. They have been good at home. You know what? They were good at home last year. They were 7-2 and at home last year. They've started out 2-0 and at home. On the road last year, they were 2-7 and and they had several games slip away in the second half. Both games in Vancouver, a game in Hamilton, uh, a game in Saskatchewan. So, uh, and the, the, you know, the Labor Day game in Calgary, they, they could have done a little bit more in the second half and got the win. So we'll see how they can do on the road tomorrow against a very good team, though they have had success in Winnipeg. Remember, one of their road victories last year was against the Blue Bombers, that very first game of the season that took about six hours to play because of all the lightning delays. A big positive for the Eskimos this season has been the run game 276 yards along the ground already here's head coach Jason Moss yeah I mean it's something we talked about in the offseason something that we talked about as a strength for Trevor uh, the type of quarterback he is what he needs to, to to operate at a high level when I've watched him play in Ottawa when they sit back and and they're very balanced and you don't know what's coming and he's he's able to just run sallies and run the ball and RPO and uh, play action you and then sprinkle in a pass here and there with a screen I mean he's lights out I mean in those games I mean he's hard to defend he gets the ball out of his hand so fast the rush really doesn't matter the defense doesn't matter it's just a matter of the guys up front executing so you know that was a big point of emphasis when we talked this offseason of how to keep Trevor on on course and and comfortable in this offense particularly early in the season when he doesn't know everybody he's getting to know everything and he's not quite as comfortable as he would like I'm sure in our offense just yet even though he's had good results he's going to be so much more comfortable nine games from now than he is right now. So, you know, in order to do that, like I said, it's important that we keep the balance. We have a great running back. We have a great O-line. We have guys that know how to run the ball, and we have a coach that knows how to coach it, and Coach Gibson and Tim Brinson. So, you know, we feel very good about our run game always. We just got to stick to it, and so far this year we've been afforded that opportunity and been able to do it. C.J. Gable looking good. The offensive line has been good, but could be some changes there tomorrow. Dave Campbell will have the update when he joins us between 6 30 and 7 all right the uh, Edmonton Oilers 
interviewing players or, or, or looking to interview players, this is the, the period for free agency where you can start talking to players and then you can sign them beginning July 1st. And by the way, we will have our sports shows live on Monday. Oilers now from noon to 2, Inside Sports from 6 to 8, or extended coverage uh, if needed. But we will have our shows to keep you updated on what's happening with NHL free agency and the Edmonton Oilers. So the, the goaltending situation is one the Oilers need to improve. Miko Koskinen under contract for three years. He got that extension a couple of days before Peter Shirelli was fired. If if you look at the stats from last season, there were 54 goaltenders who played 25 or more games, and that's the cutoff how the NHL uses to qualify for the save percentage stat, and I think that's a fair one. It means you've played, well, just under a third of your team games. You've, you've, you know, you've, you've been a fairly, uh, either you had to fill in and be a, a number one guy for a while, or, or you were the, the main backup on a team. Miko Koskinen, of the 54 goalies who qualified for the save percentage stat, was 38th. That's a, he had a 9.06 save percentage. So basically, if you just go by it by, by that, if you say the top 31 goaltenders in the NHL would be the guys who are starters, Koskinen would have been a, a pretty good backup, judging by his stats. But, it, but he wasn't. He became the Oilers starter throughout the season. 38th in save percentage with 9.06. Now, the two names who are currently linked with the Oilers in terms of either players they've already talked to or, or will talk to during this interview period, one of them is Peter Mrazek, who played for Carolina last season, played 40 games, so he was in half the games, went 23-14-3, pretty respectable numbers. He had a 9-14 save percentage, which was 19th in the NHL. So he's, he, he's basically a, a middle-of-the-pack starting goaltender if you go by that save percentage. The, and Mrazek, and now here's why I think it might be Mrazek when all is said and done, who the Oilers sign. He's uh, he's only 27. He doesn't turn 28 until Valentine's Day. And don't forget, he was drafted by Ken Holland and the Detroit Red Wings, 141st overall in 2010. Uh, he's you know he's had some tough times. He uh, was with Detroit and Philly in 1718. Um, his games with the Flyers only an 891 save percentage. With the, I mean, with Detroit in 15-16, played 54 games and had a 921 save percentage and looked like he was on his way towards toward being a pretty good number one goalie. Has not been able to repeat that, but still relatively young. The other guy, and I'm probably going to be able to actually hear some of your eyes roll when I bring up this name, is uh, Mike Smith, who was with the Calgary Flames last year. Hey, don't forget, they were second overall with him and Riddick basically splitting time in net. Smith had 42 appearances, but had an 898 save percentage. Only 47th out of the 54 goalies. Uh, Mike Smith just turned 37 in March. If they Out of these two guys, to me, Mrazek is, is the clear option. Could you get him for maybe... Uh, for maybe three million bucks, will he try to push for a little more than that? Well, uh, he might, especially if he's going to a team that needs a goaltender. You can let me know what you think by texting six thirty six thirty. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. More on that. Uh, more on the Oilers' uh, forward situation as well. And speaking of uh, goaltenders, a young local goaltender who got drafted in Vancouver. A little more on him with Brendan Escott when we get back.
I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Eskimos Bombers in this time slot tomorrow. And I'll be at the uh, Billy Moore's Cup as Oilers Development Camp wraps up. The producer of Oilers now on 630 Chet is this fine gentleman, the one and only Brendan Escott. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for sticking around. Man, It's uh, this, this is a, a fun time of year. I know the hockey action is not happening on the ice, but we have the draft. Free agency is coming up. We're uh, rolling into the CFL season, and we'll talk about that. Good start for the Eskimos. And the draft must have been pretty cool for you to see a, a young man whose games you have covered and called get picked. Absolutely. Carter Guylander of the Sherwood Park Crusaders going in the seventh round to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, you know what? We saw the scouts there from multiple different teams, and the league as a whole is getting quite a bit more exposure. But Carter, as a six foot four, 17 year old goaltender, he got drafted out of a backup role with this team. So important to remember that they looked at, uh, they didn't have a big sample size to choose from. They still liked what they saw. So Detroit, uh, I mean, goaltenders take a long time to develop, but they might have a serious piece here. Now, is he committed to anybody, NCAA, or does somebody have his WHL rights? He is committed to Colgate University, and okay. that is for the following year. So not this upcoming one, but the one so after So he can that. play for the crew. Well, do you think he'll start for the crew? Absolutely, the okay, job says. So likely starting for the crew, then off to college, and Detroit keeps his rights that entire time. Right. So a pretty low-risk seventh-round pick then. Exactly. And you, you know what? The trend, uh, in my opinion, Reed, has been such that they will just take the Flyers, uh, NHL teams, I mean, will take Flyers on players who are going to college because then they get a longer window to have those players mature. They don't need them to come out right away like they do in junior, for example. So uh, Carter fits that bill perfectly. Well, and so many more players are getting drafted out of junior A. And, hey, like, obviously we know Canadian major junior is still... The, the the highest percentage but now 31 soon to be 32 teams and the whole development uh there there are there are more options for young players to develop right what if they don't go major junior they can go junior a ncaa the best american kids obviously go through the u.s national team development program mm -hmm. a bunch of players from europe so it's really i, I mean we, we had Dave Tippett on the show Saturday, and that's kind of the... He was undrafted, right? The junior A NCAA, and at that time, that was, like, pretty rare for that to happen. And now, it's, you hear that happen to a kid, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, there's usually two or three guys on every team like that. Definitely, or players that are electing not to take the major junior route because they do want to have that education to fall back on if the hockey career doesn't work out. Going to a school in the States is incredibly expensive, and if you can get there and have it paid for at a, at a higher learning establishment, then I think that's a route that a lot of families, not even just the players, are seeing as a more viable option. All right, the interview period is uh, open in the NHL. Uh, I know uh, Dave Campbell always calls it the uh, legal tampering period, mm -hmm. which I guess because, let's face it, before they had this, it's not as if teams weren't somehow finding a way to, to, to reach out to guys, right, especially right. when you see the free agents signed, you know, five minutes after free agency. <laughs> wow, that was quick. But anyway, uh, uh, Brett Connolly on Oilers Now yesterday that uh, you produce and Bob Stoffer hosts, uh, his agent said, yeah, Brett and the Oilers have, have talked. You know, a lot of names floating out there for free agency or, for, you know, for UFAs or players who were RFAs and didn't get qualified, so they become UFAs. Any, besides Connolly, any other name that's, that's kind of popping up to you or 
pricks up your ears? Uh, Curtis Lazar is one just because of his connection to Edmonton here. Obviously a former first-round pick of the Ottawa Senators. It hasn't really worked out for him at the pro level. Uh, the Flames did not issue him a qualifying offer. So uh, as somebody with at least the potential to be depth scoring, I think they might look at him as a cheap option. Uh, Brett Ritchie is a name that has been floated around. I don't believe Dallas qualified him, though I could be wrong. I just think, I, I don't know, man. Like, what did he have last year? Five goals? It's, it's more, I think the appeal there is seeing how both Boston and St. Louis succeeded in the playoffs with that kind of heavy hockey. You look at what Brett Ritchie might bring in a bottom six role. Uh, would it be dramatically different from what Zach Cassian does or what J.J. Kara could bring? I'm not sure, but it's a name to think about. And Andre Burakovsky, who uh, did get qualified by the Capitals, likely not to sign there. Uh, and he's another name as a depth scoring option that the Oilers could certainly take a look at. Sorry, Brett Ritchie had four goals this past season in 53 games for Dallas, had uh, seven goals the year before that, but he had 16 goals in 16-17. I mean, he is only 25, and he, he, he is a pretty big guy. Um, I, I, know, I know Dallas kind of made a name for themselves as a, a more of a goal prevention team this year. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much... Richie was a was a part of that per per se. I don't know. To me, that would be a pretty pretty big flyer unless he's he's really. I, I mean, look, if it's between Richie and retaining or you know re-signing Alex Chason, there's no doubt for me. It's just Chason's going to push for as much money as he can get after getting 22 goals, which right. is the same thing Connolly got. Exactly. So you look at that and you think both of those players are probably going to be looking for a little term, maybe two, three years, and they're going to be looking for probably around $3 million, at least out of the gate. And then once the market's set with some moves around that, we'll see what kind of a discount uh, is going to be presented to the Oilers, just in the sense that Chason broke out last year last year it's not as if he has a history of being a 20 goal scorer right and really brett Connolly is that you can say the same thing see i just i i'd, I'd like a lot of things about chase on and the thing i like about him is that he can impact the game even when he doesn't score right. and i talked on the show last night and rob and i talked about throughout the years several plays where he was screening the goaltender or a nuisance around the net that led to a goal or, or offensive pressure so I like that. I just don't think you can re-sign Chase on and bank on 22 goals. I mean, if, if, he's, if he's on your third line, you probably have a, a decent team. If he's on your fourth line, you probably have a really good team. Right. Hopefully, if the Oilers have a player like Chase on, they're deep enough he's on the third line. I mean, I'm not taking it quite to the extent that it can be like when he was Washington and he was on the fourth line or a healthy scratch. Right. But... But I think from what he brought to the team and his attitude and his work ethic, it'd be great to have him on Oiler again. And if I'm sure he'd love a two-year deal after going through PTOs the last couple of years. Um, so would he take a bit of a discount if you gave him an, a, a two-year contract? M maybe that would be an ideal situation with Chase on. With Richie, I, I don't know if he's going to re rediscover that touch again. Perhaps not. And uh, But you talk about the fit in a system where they're trying to prevent goals as much as they're trying to score them. That's what Jim Playfair has said, the associate coach, and we know Dave Tippett uh, had to do that same thing in Arizona. So I wonder if they look at him and what he brings to the table in that capacity and think that there might be a fit. Bottom line is we, we are going to see them add some names. It's just a matter of who and at how much money right now. All right. Brendan Escott joining us on Inside Sports, the producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer and our sideline reporter, 
for our Edmonton Eskimos home game broadcast. So you got to be on the sidelines for a couple of wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I assume there was a bit of a contrast in intensity from them playing Montreal as opposed to them playing BC. Though I, though I know they were both, you know, close games and Montreal fought back, but just all the other stuff going on with facing the Lions. There are two constants between those two games. The first being the Eskimos winning both and the second being just a disciplined performance, at least in the first half of those football games that I think probably cut years off of Jason Moss's life. Uh, And and the defensive line would admit that. The difference being in that game against BC after uh, a terrible first quarter, it was an absolute flop for the Mm -hmm. Eskimos. And that started by a couple of drive extending penalties that kept Mike Riley on the field. But (laughs) then it was just the hurt locker. Like I have never seen that kind of pass rush be that effective and they've got some players on there. I don't need to tell you about Sewell or Boateng. Those guys speak yep. for themselves. Um, but it was the others getting in on it. Nick Usher and, and Mike Moore off that defensive line. Everybody wanted a piece of Mike Riley. Wow, did they ever get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Simply put. Well, all right. So the game against Winnipeg tomorrow, uh, I mean, if the Eskimos started 3-0, and had the three, and I, and I know it's early and I know it's a long season, but I'll always take wins in the bank, wins in the bank and, and building confidence. Teams feel better than they're winning. Are you, like, what are your expectations for Winnipeg tomorrow? I, I, I think most people would favor Winnipeg. I would think most people would still pick Winnipeg. Uh, I, I am in, in, a, in a pool I'm in where, where you pick winners. Um, but I, you know, I still think, I'm not saying that I would find a loss acceptable because losses are always disappointing, but like a good hard-nosed showing by the Eskimos where they're toe-to-toe with the team picked the, the Grey Cup, win or lose, would I'd still find that encouraging. They have gone through an emotional game against the BC Lions. It was a, a, a taxing game. I mean, it's not like they're not exerting themselves getting after the quarterback like they did as well, and they've got the short week. So I, I do worry about that. Um, but conversely, they're riding a wave of momentum right now after a couple of character victories. So it's really a toss-up. But yeah, I think many people picked Winnipeg to be the class of the West. Edmonton's trying to prove right now that they're in that conversation. And uh, we know they can get it done defensively now based on that performance against BC. The offense, I've liked how they've distributed the ball quite a bit. We saw Ricky Collins up over 175 in Game 1. And then we saw Greg Ellingson break out in Game 2. And I think that that's the trend we're going to see. So if somebody steps up, maybe it's Kenny Stafford this week. Maybe a Ajay has a big breakout. If they can couple that with C.J. Gable running like the angry man that he has in these couple of games, I think Winnipeg might be in trouble too. So you well, can the make the case either way. The old line's been excellent. They haven't given up a sack. And, you know, Gable's a good runner after contact, but he's been getting two, three, four for free. And then they're just, they've been pushing the pile for him too. I mean, they're not doing anything fancy with the run game. No, and they're doing it without Travis Bond at guard, and they're doing it without uh, Sir Vincent Rogers at left tackle as well. So kudos to the guys who have stepped in there, and, and specifically Tommy Draheim playing left tackle. That guy could be a starter on a lot of teams around this league, I think. Brendan, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we have the uh, Billy Moore's Cup at Rogers Place uh, tomorrow, so I'll go to that. And, of course, we have the Eskimos broadcast. See you, buddy. Thanks, Reid. And Dave Campbell from the Eskimos broadcast booth when we get back. And later tonight, former big league catcher Greg Zahn.
What's really exciting, Kellen, and you're you're probably not old enough. You might have not uh, been born, or you would have been very young. Okay. In the early days of uh, David Letterman's show, he would give away canned hams. I've seen clips of this on YouTube. We got our hands on all the canned hams that weren't given away. And if you sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast, you get a canned ham in the mail. Vintage ham. That's all I got to say. It's very exciting. Vintage ham. So you click on that Inside Sports Podcast, and the internet will just know where you are. Next day, canned ham shows up at your door from from Inside Sports via David Letterman. You can't beat that deal. Vintage ham. Everything's vintage these days. I mean, the kids are listening to vinyl. Certainly, they must be into canned ham. Right. The hipsters. Do we still have hipsters, or is that now a thing of the past? Uh, I must still have hipsters. Hipsters have become more mainstream. So it's. Oh, the hipsters are no longer alternative. No, what a tragedy. More of a mainstream thing. (laughs) What an awful thing to happen to the hipsters. Oh well. There was a baseball game today for the Blue Jays. They lost 8-7 to the Yankees. The Yankees hit a home run for the 29th straight game, extending their own major league record. They won it uh, in the bottom of the ninth, not with a home run, with a uh, with a single. Uh, the Blue Jays, I don't even know what their record is. It's terrible. Uh, the Blue Jays are 29-52. and 52. And this game is currently on TV in the fourth inning. Do you remember last summer? Yeah. Where I gave the score for a game that had been played that afternoon, right. and I thought it was like, you're not going to fool me again, well, Major I, League Baseball and Sportsnet. I got fooled because I was just talking to our next guest on the phone here and uh, told him I was watching the Blue Jays actually win a game for once because they're ahead 5 3 years. So. No, no, no. You're watching, you're, you're watching a, a, a pre recorded game. A pre recorded oh, game. Oh, man. All right. Uh, it was eight. I'm sorry if I spoiled it for anybody. There's always that one person who's like, oh, I was going to watch it when I get home, or I, what, they watch Blue Jays in 30 or whatever. So to that person, you get two canned hams. Love it. Harris is going to throw, releases quickly. Touchdown, Eskimos. Greg Allenson, his first in green and gold, and the Eskimos will take the lead. There's the snap to Harris. He sits in the pocket going deep. He's got Ellingson. There it is at the 10. All right, the Eskimos will try to keep rolling tomorrow in Winnipeg. The producer of this show and our color commentator on Eskimos broadcast, Dave Campbell, is in Winnipeg. Hello, Dave. Hello, Reid. How are you doing? Well, I'm disappointed because uh, if we were giving away canned hams, I don't know why we didn't get samples. Well, I'll get you one. Don't worry. Okay, good. Thank you. You always, you always take care of me. Now, were you... Uh, you and I have a lot in common, but we're also very different in some ways. Uh, our, our humor definitely overlaps to an extent, but I know there are times you're sitting there thinking, "Will Wilkins just shut up?" Because this is too bizarre. Uh, we're like, were you? Because I, I was a huge Letterman fan, like late '80s, early '90s, especially. Uh, was that in your wheelhouse at all? I, I love Letterman. Letterman was my favorite nighttime talk show host, and. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was watching a documentary on, I think it was the, yeah, it was on the 90s and about pop culture. And it talked about how Letterman ruled the nighttime, the late night talk shows until Jay Leno had Hugh Grant on his show. Because oh. remember, Hugh Grant got uh, charged for, what is it, uh, prostitution or uh, soliciting prostitution. Yeah, he, that, oh, that was... <laughs> If you grant actually was a prostitute on the side. <laughs> yeah, that would be probably Hollywood pretty actor bad by at day. it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it depends. If it's the Notting Hill, uh, you know, Hugh Grant <laughs> might great. work. So, 
but uh, yeah, I uh, I uh, I remember David Letterman very well, and uh, David Letterman was my favorite nighttime uh, talk show host. So. Yeah, he got, uh, Leno got the Hugh Grant uh, apology or whatever it was called for uh, for for picking up the prostitute, and also L- Letterman decided at a, after a point he was not going to make OJ jokes, and, and which was interesting because Letterman was pretty risque and didn't really have any boundaries. But at one point he said, "I just think jokes about double murder aren't that funny." And, yeah. and Leno uh, kept going with it, which is kind of what the opposite of you might you might usually expect from those two personalities. But I, I, for me, Letterman was always miles ahead of Leno, and I never I never really flipped over to Leno, regardless of what he had on. To be honest with you, no, same here, same here. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Letterman all the way. All right, uh, Eskimos all the way so far, two and zero, playing a very good Winnipeg team. I, I played the clip you sent in, Jason Moss, talking about the run game, uh, averaging uh, almost 140 yards per game so far, two games in. I, I, hey, Gable's been great. I think the O line gets a lot of credit. Tell me about that group, Dave, and, and if there are, are any changes necessary for tomorrow's game. Well, there's going to be one change on the offensive line. That's uh, going to be the left guard spot. So. They've been going with three Canadians. Uh, left guard has been uh, been occupied by Jacob Ruby, who's a Canadian. Uh, he got a little banged up in the game against the, the Lions last week, so uh, he was at practice this week, didn't do much. So Travis Bond's going to start at left guard. So they'll go back to uh, three Americans, which which was their uh, alignment most of last season. The three uh, Americans, two Canadians set up. So other than that, everything stays the same. I don't suspect or don't expect Tavares Daniels to play again. And uh, I think, you know, we're probably going to have to, well, we're obviously going to have to wait till after the bye week. Um, I just think it's just too hard to get them in the lineup right now. And they've been rolling pretty good with the, with the setup that they have with the two Canadians, uh, including Kevon Smith and, of course, the, the three Americans with Ellingson, uh, Collins Jr. And, uh, and Kenny Stafford. So, you know, that's the, uh, that's the alignment we're expecting tomorrow. And the commitment to be balanced, I think, is something that I, is, is a good storyline. You know, C.J. Gables had two straight games of over 20 carries, and he's had, you know, 20 to 27, 28 touches, uh, you know, in the first two games uh, each. So, the, uh, to me, I think the commitment to stay balanced is good. Trevor Harris is a quick release, you know, get the ball out of his hands uh, quickly kind of quarterback, and that definitely is something that the offensive line smiles about because they don't have to stand in there too long and, and protect. I just want to go over this list, Dave, because free agency day in February – was you know when we do our year in review show we're, we're going to talk about that especially if the Eskimos wind up having a very good season uh nine guys they signed several of them big names or established players on free agency day oh you know what I'm going to add a tenth uh so here we go Trevor Harris has been excellent Greg Ellingson has been excellent Collins Jr. has been excellent Daniels has not played right yep Umamba played a half and is on the six game DL yeah that's right Santos Knox has not played that's right. Larry Dean has played and has been good. Mm-hmm. Servi's out at least half the season. Right. Anthony Orange is now on the sixth game. Right. Played the played week one, had the game uh, ceiling intercepted. And Anthony Parker will not play this season. That's right. So of the of those sure. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, <laughs> uh, only four of them have played both games. One's out, one's out for the season, one's out half the season, and two others yeah. are on the six-game DL. Daniels and Santos Knox were still waiting for. Wow. And yeah. they're still 2-0. and all. Yeah, so it, it shows you the depth they have, uh, for one. I mean, Vontae Diggs has played so well at that well linebacker spot that, 
you know, Javon Santos Knox gets moved from the one game injured list to the six game. And, you know, I think it is somewhat injury related too. Uh, you know, obviously it is injury related, but at the time of the, the, of the season that we're in, it's only week three. Um, they have a bye week coming up uh, next week. You know, and Diggs has been playing some good football that they can afford to wait for Santos Knox to get uh, even healthier because they can pull him off the sixth game at any point. Um, but, you know, they don't, they're don't. they afforded an opportunity to just let him sit and wait, and, you know, there's going to be a chance for him to get in the lineup probably later in the season. So Diggs has played well. Uh, Tommy Drayheim has played well at left tackle uh, for the Eskimos, so that's been a good news uh, story as Sir Vincent Rogers heals. And, you know, I think that the depth in their receiving core was really hurt when Parker uh, went out in the uh, or, or went out with that Achilles injury in the final preseason game here in Winnipeg, but you know they you know they kind of kicked the tires on a couple guys, but you know they decided to stay in house with Tantea Jay and Tavon Smith, and they got a couple of other Canadians on that roster as well. So you know Tavon Smith has played well, and Tantea Jay has played well. So they they have good depth, but there's no doubt tomorrow night is going to be their biggest test of the season, even though it is still week three. Uh, the Bombers, I think, are uh, definitely a superior team than the, the Alouettes or the BC Lions at this point. Dave Campbell joining us uh, from Winnipeg. The Eskimos getting set to take on the Blue Bombers tomorrow night. Well, yeah, it's been interesting how this play has, has played out. The Eskimos' defense we thought was going to be a story. They they have been very good. Who, who got in a little bit of trouble today, Dave? Who got into a little bit of trouble today? Was there not somebody fine today? Uh, oh, yes, Nick Usher. That's okay. right, Nick Usher. Yeah, because uh, leading with the crown of his helmet on a hit from Mike Riley. I think it was the one where uh, it was in the fourth quarter. I know it was in the second half for sure. And uh, Riley was wrapped up. Well, he was wrapped up all game, it seemed like. Um, and then I think there was two Eskimos there, and then, then Usher came in from behind and, and hit Riley in the in the back of the helmet there. So that that's a no-no. That's a that's a warranted fine. So uh, Nick Usher got dinged there. So, um, you know, another aspect that we're going to look at tomorrow, too, uh, is the safety spot. Uh, Jordan Hoover is going to start at safety uh, for uh, Money Hunter, who's still in the lineup. But, you know, I talked earlier about the, the left guard changing from a Canadian to an American. So the safety spot is going to change from an American to a Canadian. So that's an area we're going to look at, too. Dave, in terms of some other storylines uh, in the CFL, this and look, I know it's very early, but Kalaros got hurt in the second minute of the season. Saskatchewan's 2-0, though they actually scored a ton of points in Ottawa, but they can't get the stops. Toronto lost by 50. They're going to play the Riders on Monday. <laughs> BC is 0-2 after signing you know, as many players as, as the Eskimos did. Um, and Ottawa's 2-0. and And I know you and Morley thought Ottawa might really be in tough to, to not finish in the basement. What are some things, like I've talked about the significance of, of the Riders losing Chris Jones and Willie Jefferson. What are some storylines and, and the things behind them for you? Well, I think for me, you mentioned the Lions, and I think their struggles early early on maybe aren't necessarily a surprise of their own too, but it's just how they lost, especially the last game. And um, I don't know if it's stubbornness to play calling or what or what it is, uh, but when your quarterback's getting hit and hit and hit like he was last week, you've got to make adjustments. And I don't understand why there were lack of adjustments uh, made uh, to prevent Mike Riley from you know taking a the beating that he did and that's a young coaching staff still led by Devon Clay Brooks who's the new head coach you know and I know Mike Riley has a say in that offense as well 
So to me, I'm just a little surprised with the lack of balance. We talk about balance with the Eskimos. Well, they got John White there as a running back, and you know he's I think still has got a lot left in the tank here, even though he's had a couple serious injuries. But the refusal to try and stay balanced and to try to give Mike Riley the protection he needs if they're going to you know have the offense where they want to be aggressive and go downfield. And then secondly, you know, I read a headline today. <laughs> I read a headline about the Toronto Argos saying Argos focusing on their conditioning. I went, pardon? What? Isn't that what training camp's for? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> what being a pro athlete is all about? Yeah. Like and... They didn't lose by 50 because they ran out of gas. No. <laughs> like they no, weren't in the game didn't. ever. No, exactly. So, okay, so if you're more conditioned, does that change, change, your, change your results? Uh, maybe marginally, maybe a little bit, but when you lose by 50... It's not your conditioning. So, you know, the Argos, it's a good test for them coming into uh, Regina on Monday. And for the Riders, you know, I mean, this is kind of a big early game for both teams. And, you know, the Riders don't want to go 0-3. The, uh, the the Argos would like to erase that memory of the of a bad loss in Hamilton and get a win or at least just play well. And then, you know, like go back to the Lions. They could go 0-3 against a, you know, a Calgary team who's 0-1. And they're, they're grumpy after losing their first game. You know, intercepting Dominic Davis four times yet losing the football game. That's a very un- uncharacteristic Calgary Stampeders performance. All right, Dave. Uh, Going to be fun tomorrow. I will uh, well, probably miss the start of the game. I'll be at the Billy Moore's Cup, but uh, definitely looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a good battle, man. Thanks for checking in from Winnipeg. Hope the mosquitoes aren't going to carry you away. Yeah, I, ho- I hope not as well. I hope it stops raining over there as well. I won't say it's been a hot, scorching day in Winnipeg. Um, but and then hopefully we have no crazy thunderstorm lightning delays like last year. So, but yes, oh, yeah, and that I, was I, the six-hour game, right? That's right. And I wait my canned ham. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in your locker. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> that is Dave Campbell from uh, from Winnipeg. Well, I got some text about the uh, the canned ham, so we'll get to those a little bit more on the Oilers' potential goaltending situation. Some open line time here as well, 780-496-0063. Who do you want in free agency? Uh, are the Eskimos for real? How do you feel going into tomorrow's game? All coming up. You work in Canada today, Kellen? I will be here Canada Day. Oh, it's going to be a pleasure. We have a show, live show. You know it. Free agent frenzy. Going to be a fun Canada Day. I will run the uh, 15K Canada. I believe, Kellen, this, this is amazing to me. Well, I guess I shouldn't be that amazed by the passage of time. It has been happening for billions of years. But I believe this is going to be the 10th time I have run the 15K Canada Day road race and my 11th time participating in the Canada Day road race the first time I did it uh, I did the 5k the first yeah. ever first ever time I did a timed you know formally set up race so I will be doing that I believe 725 we'll get somebody on Friday to tee up the Canada Day road race because uh, it's good to talk about I think people can still sign up over the weekend there will be some road closures yeah you'll need to be aware of because we don't we don't like running amongst the cars and the traffic I thought that was like a new extreme sport for the Olympics. That, that could be a new Olympic sport. Running amongst cars. 
You just call it the Cubert games. I mean, we've got breakdancing as a I can't sport believe now, I so. messed up a video game reference. Frogger, not Cubert. That, that, that's embarrassing. That's worse than last summer when I gave a, a, a Blue Jay score in the third inning when the game was already over. Frogger, not Cubert. Cubert, what, what was Cubert even threatened by? I don't know. I, I, I didn't play Cubert that much. So. Didn't he just, he just had to jump down that pyramid of blocks. I was, was Super it just Mario to, and Pac-Man. Was it that just was trying me. to do it in as few moves as possible? Was there never anything chasing him, was there? I must maybe I never got yeah, deep enough into know. the game. Frogger. Now that's an extreme game. Mm-hmm. Hey, who who thought of that for kids? Oh, what game are we gonna design today, Charlie? Uh, I don't know, Dino. Uh, what if we took like some sort of small uh, small animal and uh, had him almost get run over? Had to get him out of the way. Uh, yeah, what are you thinking? Like a bunny? Uh, I don't know. No, bunnies are too fluffy. What about a slimy little frog? Ooh, that's a good one. Those two guys by very similar voices. All, all, all men in the video game industry sound exactly the same. Are you a big Frogger fan? Little known fact. Uh, no, I just know that it was a, it's a game with where the frog tries to weave his way through traffic. Well, what the, what games were your jam growing up? What, what did you play? Uh, in television games. Luis texting in, so how would it look if the Oilers traded Koskinen and went after a UFA goalie? Is Koskinen tradable at this point? It's uh, Peter Shirelli-era stuff. I don't think it would look too bad, would it? Well, I guess uh, here's here's but whenever I get and if you've listened, if you're one of the 14 people who listen to this show regularly, first of all, thank you. If if you're new, uh, also thank you. I, I like I'm not I'm not as big on trade suggestions as some other people in the media because you can just keep throwing stuff out and usually okay. Let me just ask you this, Luis and everybody else. I'm gonna let's role play here. I'm gonna play the role of the Edmonton Oilers general manager, and you be the general manager of the team of your choice. Hey, uh, Chuck, it's Reed. How's it going? Yeah, good. Good to talk to you. Uh, yeah, I'm sick of trading uh, Miko Koskinen. You guys interested? Hello? Hello, you still there? I mean, is like, who's, who's taking this goaltender? Again, 38th in save percentage in the National Hockey League out of the 54 goaltenders who played enough games to, to, for the, the stat to register in the year-end stats. So he's 38th out of 54. So he's a... He's a decent backup goalie being made $4.5 million. I don't think any other GM is going to bite on that. So they're going to have to go after a UFA. You know, I think, I, to me, Mrazek is, is, a, is a decent option. He uh, had a pretty good season with Carolina. Uh, Mike Smith, they're, well, they're going to talk to him. I mean, that's out there. But, you know, Mike Smith was 47th out of the 54 goaltenders. And, uh, and and he's 37. No, you know, he's a battler. He can move the puck. Mike Smith would would be one of the Oilers' better puck movers on the back end if they signed him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to predict they go with Mrazek, and, and I, I, I don't think Koskinen is tradable. I, I would actually predict Koskinen does not finish the three years with the Oilers. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets bought out, after, maybe not after next year, after the second year I think he gets bought out. Andy texting in, he goes, Reed, I'm hearing the names of possible Oilers goalies, but all I'm hearing is NGE. Not good enough. That is a text coming in from Andy. Uh, This uh, texter says, Reed, why don't you tell people why Letterman gave away canned hams? Well, then this texter followed up with the answer. Earlier in his career, he did weather on Indianapolis television and said an upcoming of an upcoming storm, we're going to get hail the size of canned hams. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there you go. Hey, Greg Zahn coming up. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.